Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up? This is Michael Rappaport. This is G Moody. And today's I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is a motherfucking barn burner. We have the artist formerly known as Ron Artest. Meta World Peace is in the building. Plus, me and G Moody are going to do the damn thing. G Moody, Air Moody, has been training for his upcoming dunk contest. LeBron James... Just when I was going to acknowledge you as the MVP of the regular season, you start acting like LeBron James. All that and more. Queens is in the house with Meta World Peace. Miles Jordan. Let me get something funky. All right. Brand new Smash Mouth primetime podcasting. Meta World Peace is in the building. I'm hyped up. G Monetti is hyped up. Everybody listening in primetime is hyped up. What can I say? I, I mean, the people have asked for Meta World Peace. We came, we saw, we conquered. Have no fear, the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast is here. But let's just jump into this before we get into Meta World Peace. Monetti. All right. Uh, you, you, you posted the videos. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you've made proclamations and explanations saying that you can still dunk, although I never actually saw you actually dunk in your okay. prime. But at 49, are you 49? Yes. At 49. At 49, you're going to somehow dunk. Um, and you, you have your trainer, 
and you started your training the other day, and I noticed your training. You, you've, you've made comments to me, oh, you're at your yoga, oh, you're in the mountains. You had all sorts of props and accoutrements with your training. You, you had rubber balls, you had rubber bands, all kinds of fancy, highfalutin bullshit for day, nope. yeah, yeah, for day one of your training. You wasn't at the park lifting, uh, you know, logs on some Rocky Balboa, Rocky Two shit. You're in there doing all kinds of crazy shit. You yeah, never cal- fucked with no rubber. We're doing what? Calisthenics. Oh yeah, but you're you're mocking everybody else because we're in the gym running. We're I'm I didn't doing say yoga, that. but you're doing shit on rubber balls, all kinds of like like 2026 fancy dick antics, huh? For your for your first day of training, your first week of training, huh? Building resistance, uh, it's it's science. Oh, it's and science! It's, I thought you said yeah, you don't science, need to do all that. Like a couple of weeks ago, you ridiculed. I don't need to nope. do all that. It's not. It's getting limber. Okay. It's getting the muscles to respond. Okay. Because they've been dormant. Okay. You see, so okay. the first day, what you saw was a warming up of the body. Well, if so, you could see, as you could see in the videos, you were doing some little jumping. You don't look like you dunking jack shit in the videos. Oh, the first. The first day. Yeah. This is a this is an illustration to show you the progress that will be made, uh, uh culminating in me dunking the basketball. Okay. And then what? And then what are you gonna say? Nothing. You're not this dunking. The first day. You're not dunking. You're not dunking donuts, my man. And but I just why didn't you just go to the park and like you know start playing oh, ball? Why don't you go out par- there and since you're since you're teasing, I think you teased my man Miles. That's the first you teased day. me. You you make fun of everybody. Oh, they're at the gym doing all this, and you're no. in there with like you had like a science experiment, and you had all it's kinds. Raining. Of, why all the props? Why it's didn't you raining. just chop some wood and and run up the steps like on some rocky shit? Why all the extraness? Well, number one, it was raining in New York City. The plan was to go to the park and do a uh, weight training, but not with weights. See, this is a science, oh, B. You don't shit. understand this. Oh, while you on the now, now, while you up on the mountain, you on the mountain getting dusty and dirty and doing dumb shit. Doing I'm here working so on doing, muscles. Like, look what you were doing in I'm the video. I'm working on Please, certain muscles. Every, everybody go to I Am Rappaport on Instagram. Matter of fact, I'm going to post a video on it. And you know what, Gerald? You know what? I'm going to fucking ILO your videos. That's what it's come to. I'm ILOing the co-host yeah. of the 2015, 2016, and 2017 podcast co-host. I'm ILOing my co-host. That's what's going to happen. The next time you post a video doing all that foolishness, <laughs> nah. I'm barking in, on you, Duke. We're in the park. As the weather clears, we go to the park. This is our plan. I want to shout out my man, Jesse, ancient Chinese secret. Money's dope. Got my muscles on fire right now. How, how you feeling and, today? Your first oh, week of training. Oh, the first day. How, of how are you feeling? Just, just answer the question, man. You, you're becoming <laughs> a real, a real slippery fucking slope. The just, muscles, the mus- I'm the just muscles, asking, of course. I'm just are asking sore. a simple question. The, the muscles of oh my god are sore. Oh my god, the muscles are sore. How sore? You How sore? What's this fucking degree? You want the degrees of soreness? How what sore the fuck you, you want? How you feeling? I just want to know how you're feeling. I feel good. You feel good. I, I feel like after you feel when you come off a fucking mountain. I feel like that. Okay. Okay. Just asking the question. You, you, so are you able to walk yet, you fuck? Because I know you. Are you able to walk yet, you fuck I'm you? Walking. I'm walking. You're walking, you fuck you. I've this, been playing ball my whole life. This isn't new to my oh body, my yo. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Okay, so as planned, the first week of May... 
you're going to be dunking a basketball. I'll probably do it before then and just show it to you. Just to show you what time it is. And we're doing it outside in the park, right? No, nah, but I may go to City College and do it so it could be on some 10-foot shit. My man told me I could come up there. <laughs> who, who, your man who? My man who works at City College up in Harlem. He hit me on DM. He said, yo, you could come up here. So you may see it indoors. Okay. So you can't. So I, you can't. I honestly, I would like to see it at John Jay Park. That's where I would like to see it, cause I, I would uh, like I'm to. Not, see, I would like to see you. I'm not going oh, you now you're Mr. City College. Oh, all I'm of a going, sudden, you're I'm too going, good. I'm going to a regular fucking gym. You're too to dunk the basketball. Okay, you can't That's do it. it. You can't do it in the park. You, I'm not too, doing it. In the, I'm not doing it in the concrete no more, B. Okay. 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 But if you could dunk, you could dunk. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm 49, B. Okay. I'm, go, right. I'm going inside. Okay. I, well, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be fucking heckling you, just like I'm going to be heckling those fucking videos. Hey, you may get a video before May, so be on the lookout for it. Just to, I, I may just rock that okay. shit just to show you. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I know some people that have never listened to the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, and there are a bunch of them. They're probably like, what the fuck did I just tune into? Um, if you never listened to the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, and I suspect there are a few of you out there... Um, my name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, a.k.a. the Jeff Rulin of podcasting, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo. I'm in here with G. Moody. Last name rhymes with duty, the three-time podcast co-host of the year, and you are now rocking with the best. It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, the only podcast that prides itself on non-fact-checking. Podcasts, yes, are like assholes. Everybody has one, but you are now rocking with the best. Um, so let's just jump into this, man. We got Meta World Peace, Queensbridge, um, fantastic interview, heavy shit talking, so honest, so real, so genuine. We're talking about his career. We're talking about his suspension. We're talking about playing against Kobe. We're talking about playing with Kobe. All the people he's played against. It's just, he's just so honest, so genuine. Um, I can't wait for people to listen to this interview. Also... I talked about this movie. I really suggest you watch this. Um, I, I've been hyping up this documentary that I saw. I watched it two times. Six-part uh, docu-series on Netflix, Wild Wild Country. It's so bugged out and so dope. You got to peep it. Well, Friday, the next episode of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, all Wild Wild Country. I had the two directors uh, are coming to sit down with me to dissect this crazy movie that's bugging out everybody. It's like uh, a guru doc and chill. It's a new hashtag. It was used to be murder doc and chill. Of course, uh, the young shooter came up with uh, the the hashtag murder doc and chill. And of course, we came out with the t-shirt murder doc and chill. We might come up with the t-shirt guru doc and chill. Um, You got to watch Wild Wild Country. I love this documentary. So I get to sit down with uh, the two directors. Uh, but right now, let's get to business. Um, Monetti. Yo. Villanova. NCAA champions. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, man. I'm glad they won. I love I loved that po- point guard. Last name is Brunson. Yo, he, he knows how to handle and, and set the table for the other players. Slow shit down. That's a perfect illustration of a true point guard. And you know, his father played in the NBA, right? Yeah, Rick Brunson. Yeah, yeah. He he used to be on the Knicks. He used to have the little blowout. He he yeah. played on a few teams. Um, 
I really like that point guard too. And of course, the star of 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 the game was this kid Dante DiVincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo, who a lot mm-hmm. of people are, are suggesting that it's my illegitimate son. Uh, nah, <laughs> that ain't my son, Duke. That ain't my seed. Although I would be proud to uh, have a seed that's uh, the most outstanding player in the game. Um, he he was busting dudes' ass in that game. Yeah, yeah. He's he's nice, man. He came I off like the bench that. on some NBA shit. He was out there busting dudes' ass. Yeah. Um, had a career high thirty one points. Um, you know he he's a redheaded Italian named Dante DiVincenzo. He got a nice name, and I mean a redheaded Italian. Who doesn't like a redheaded Italian? Go to the league. Uh, shout out to Brian Scalabrini. I don't know if he's going to go to the league, uh, but you know what's fucked up with this immediate stardom? Homeboy had to uh, delete his Instagram account, uh, his Twitter account. He deleted his Twitter account. He, he's made some posts in the past where he's talking shit. Nothing crazy, just, high, you know, college shit. And I, I wanted to say to this kid, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, who may or may not might be my illegitimate son, yo, fuck these people, man. He didn't say anything that, that he, he needs to regret. He said, I like it when uh, girls lick my butthole. It's a life-changing feeling. Who doesn't <laughs> like that? I mean, is, is, is that something to be ashamed of that he said, I like I, it when I girls think, lick, lick my butthole. It's a life-changing feeling. He also said something about somebody else saying dick eating at its finest when somebody was dick riding. He said to he said a, a, an old tweet. This is from 2011 when I Homeboy was probably in the ninth grade. He said something about, to my dad, am I a pussy now because I don't want to play fucking soccer? He got a funny sense of humor. Now they're like, he deleted his Twitter account. Uh, I think he could have kept the first thing to himself. What, uh, I, I, I think- like it when girls lick my butthole. It's a life-changing <laughs> yeah. experience. He put it in, it's five years ago. This kid's probably 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, and he put that up when he was 15. God bless him if he got his asshole eaten at 15. Of course <laughs> you're going to go to Twitter and speak on it. Don't I mean, wouldn't you? I don't know, man. I don't know. I can't say I would do that. Uh, well, I we, we I didn't grow know. up in the social media era, but that's yeah. just, you know, listen, I understand why he did it, but, you know, people shouldn't be uh, held uh, responsible for things they put on Twitter when they're 15. I just think it's a little extreme. Uh, but shout out to Villanova, the Villanova Wildcats. Uh, you know, uh, the Big East is in the house. Uh, th- those were the good old days with the Big East. Um, they used to be, uh, uh, you know, the McLean brothers. Of course, Ed Pinkney, mm-hmm. Easy Ed Pinkney from the Boogie Down Bronx. Uh, they used to compete with Pearl and all those guys in Georgetown, St. John's. And so I have no problem with Villanova winning the championship um, and, and Dante DiVincenzo uh, winning the MVP, the redheaded Italian stallion. <laughs> um, these Parkland uh, shooting victims uh, continue to be in the news. Uh, a 15-year-old kid, Anthony Borges, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, you know, he was one of the kids that was shot five times, five times. Uh, you know, obviously the, the, the media just can't get enough of this. Uh, he was barricading his door to try to protect other people, uh, his classmates. He was shot five times at 15 years old. You know, he spoke to the media. I'm sure he's going to get attacked. You know, he talked about, you know, thinking that, you know, he was, he was scared he was going to die. Um, you know, you know, they're calling him a hero. Uh, you know, he, he was he, he literally was barricading the door uh, to protect, you know, the other people in the classroom. I can't wait uh, for Ted Nugent, 
Laura Ingram or for the rest of these uh, gun-toting savages to criticize a 15-year-old that was shot five times. And you know what the crazy thing is? All these gun-toters, they, they've never been shot. Can you imagine 15 years old? They're shooting mm -hmm. this kid. Like, they just, people just keep, go away, shut your mouth. 15-year-old <laughs> kid got shot five times. He, he could say whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> That's what they say, go away. <laughs> yeah, go away, shut your mouth. They don't want to hear the, the violins. Yeah, they, know, don't, they, they, they don't want to hear the violins and, and the reality of what really takes place when you have a lunatic coming in there with, a, with an assault rifle. They don't want to hear about that. They, they just want to, I need to keep my rifle, uh, right. the, the Second Amendment. Uh, my man, Mad Dog Russo, Chris Russo, uh, the I icon New Yorker sports guy, him and a Boomer Esiason are going back talking shit against each other. Have you heard have you heard about this? Yeah, I saw it in the paper a little bit, but I'm not privy to what the fuck is going on. What's going on? Well, I, I just like that I'm not the only one who who has like online beefs with people. But I like Boomerang, I like Mad Dog. Uh uh and I'm just I'm just glad I'm not the only one uh who's out there uh you know getting into on online beefs with somebody. So shout out to Boomer and and shout out to Dog. Mm. <laughs> w what's going on with you, Mr. Monetti? Oh, man, same old shit, man. Just, uh, you know, right now I'm in uh, the process of getting ready, you know, so I'm, I'm eating different, man. So things. Oh, oh, what are, you, what are you eating? Oh, I should say eating less, not different. I eat with whatever I want, as you know that. So oh, I, but you're trying to, uh, but I, you just I, said eating I'm not trying different. to do anything. You're trying to dunk a fucking basketball at 49 years old. That's what you're trying to do. But things are, are being consumed uh, less, a lot of water, working out. That's what I'm on now, man. Okay. I just was asking. I, I, we already covered this. I don't know why you brought it back up. <laughs> hey, you just asked maybe, me what I was doing. I, maybe that's the soreness in, the, in your hammies. Um, so just when I was coming to terms, I had no problem, and I've done it publicly a couple of times, Acknowledging that LeBron James should, in fact, be the regular season MVP of the 2017-2018 basketball season. This basketball season, which is winding down, playoffs are just around the corner. LeBron James came out and did some LeBron James bullshit. Do, do, do you know about what's going down? No, no, I don't know what happened. Okay. So LeBron James, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, planning on becoming, uh, when he's retired, he's doing, he's doing it already, but he's planning on becoming a, uh, you know, full-time, you know, television and movie producer. Um, you know, he's doing his thing. Um, and, uh, you know, he's produced a couple of shows and a couple of movies, put his name on some projects. He has a show, a talk show that takes place in a barbershop. Okay. It's like a regular, you know, talk show takes place in a barbershop. There's been plenty of shows that take place in a barbershop. There's been plenty of movies that take place in barbershop. There's been plenty of segments on other shows that take place in barbershops. Mm -hmm. Right? Can we agree on this? Yeah. Okay. LeBron James has his show called The Shop. Okay where he'll get together a bunch of different players and they'll bullshit around and talk shit in a barbershop. Nick Saban, Alabama football coach, college football coach, Nick Saban, iconic football coach, 
uh, either Nick Saban or the University of Alabama or Alabama University, whatever the fuck it is, we don't fact check. They also have a show that takes place in a barbershop. It's called Shop Talk. Yeah. Okay? Now, Consummate Stickman, one of the great stickmen of all time. Warren Beatty, iconic 1970s movie, which this was one of his first films that brought him to stickman status. He was in a movie called Shampoo. You know where that took place, Gerald? Where? In a fucking barbershop. He was a, he was a hairdresser, and he would bang every single one of his clients that came in there. Famous movie. It sort of brought him to the forefront of all things Stickman. He was, every client that came in there, he would give them the, the high horse. He'd be blow drying the, their hair, and the next thing, they'd be blow drying him. Ba-dum bum. Coming to America. Of course, the famous uh, scene with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. Probably the first time Eddie Murphy showed his skills playing multiple characters at once. Mama name him Clay, I'm gonna call him Clay. Remember this, uh, this scene? Mm-hmm. Took place in a barber shop. Ice Cube produced a movie and several sequels to the movie called Barbershop. Shows, movies, scenes from movies, Al Capone. Remember in the movie The Untouchables? Famous scene takes place in a barbershop. He's getting a shave. The guy has the razor at his neck, talking all his shit. The other movie, I can't remember, uh, Malcolm X, the movie. Great scene that takes place in a barbershop. Barbershops are a place where everybody goes to. There's been several scenes in movies, in television, that take place in a barbershop. LeBron James, you didn't come up with this fucking concept. You didn't invent the concept of doing something in a barbershop. Whether it's called the shop, talk shop, barbershop, coming to America... Or the movie Shampoo, where the great Warren Beatty showed his stickman skills for the entire world. And now LeBron James is trying to sue Nick Saban and the makers of their show, Talk Shop. LeBron mm. James, hold your fucking head. Okay? Nobody infringed, okay, on this idea. You didn't come up with this idea. I hope Eddie Murphy... Arsenio Hall and Paramount Pictures sue your fucking ass. Okay, how would you like it if Warren Beatty comes after you for stealing his idea for shampoo? You just can't help yourself from being LeBron James. And why would LeBron James, with his patchy, questionable, suspect hair, mm-hmm. want to bring any more attention to anything that has to do with barbershops? Obviously, Obviously, you don't have the right guy covering your motherfucking bald spots. Every single night we watch you play, we have to sit there and look at your patchy motherfucking head. And you want to try to sue Nick Saban, who, by the way, has a beautiful head of salt and pepper hair. What the fuck is you doing, Duke? I I don't got nothing to say, man. You talk about LeBron. uh, uh, I I don't know. I I like LeBron. I I like him, too. But why? Why? I mean, this is why LeBron James will never, ever be like Mike. It's because of this little bullshit. You didn't invent the concept. You didn't invent barbershops. You didn't invent the concept. Uh, I mean, I just did this off the dome piece. The, these couple of scenes that I, I, I recall that took place in the barbershop. And now you're trying to sue somebody? because you. I mean, ESPN has done many different segments. My man mm-hmm. Scoop Jackson. 
You know Scoop mm-hmm. Jackson from ESPN? I know he's yeah. done segments that take place in barbershops years ago. Like, he didn't come up with... There's been commercials, plenty of commercials that take place in barbershops with dudes talking shit. What was the barber in Brownsville that we uh, that you used to go to? Oh, fucking Alex, fucking my man Louie, all kind of... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Remember Alex over there, right there around the corner from your house? We used to yeah. go in there. Everybody talks shit in barbershops. LeBron James, this is, this is what you're doing with yourself? This is what you're doing heading into the playoffs? And then when the reporters ask him about it, he's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. No, we talking about it, Duke. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> you don't get to dictate what we want to talk about and what we don't want to talk about. We talking about it. This is the perfect storm. This is the perfect thing heading into the playoffs to break LeBron James' balls the whole way through. You were doing fantastic. You played 82 games. Great feet. Somebody right. needs to tell him to hold his fucking head and chill out. <laughs> this guy... Yo, LeBron gonna be all right, man. Police are hunting for a monkey. This is insane. In India, no bullshit, the authorities are searching for a monkey that snatched a baby, a newborn baby from a house in the village of Talabasta. I'm probably not saying it correctly. Mm. A relative of a 16-day-old baby was found dead in a well. This is a tragedy. The baby was sleeping next to his mother. Monkeys roam free out there in India. That's the problem. (laughs) The baby was snatched up by a monkey and found dead. But they're on like a manhunt, or should I say a monkey hunt, to try to find the monkey. What are they going to do? Find the monkey and like convict them of a crime? It's a fucking monkey. You you can't control these monkeys. And, And they have free reign. So if you had animal control, like a fucking regular society, you wouldn't have this shit. But but if they find the monkey, what are they <laughs> going to do? Put him in a court of law or are they going to kill him? And it's not if like monkeys not- have like, they don't have like, you know, licenses and shit. Like, how are you going to figure out which monkey took the baby? I mean, this is a terrible story. It's a true and, and- story. It's a real story. But if they actually do catch the monkey, if that's possible, what are they going to do with him? Penalize him? Yeah. He's a murderer? Right. Why, why go after him if you allow the monkeys to roam free? They didn't, he didn't do nothing wrong. Shit. You, you let him roam free, what you think's going to happen? All right, listen, Moody. I, I want you to get yourself into an ice bath, okay? Get yourself into an Epsom salt ice bath. Soak your motherfucking back, okay? Because you sound fucked up, Duke. I'm going to be honest. You don't sound right. You sound sore, Duke. You need to get yourself into an Epsom salt ice bath, okay? We're going to jump into this. This is recovery day, man. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask Metal World Peace about fucking recovery day, okay? Queens (laughs) is in the house. The artist formerly known as Ron Artest, currently known as Metal World Peace, iconic, outspoken, shit talker, honest as can be. Metal World Peace coming up next on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Let's do it. Miles Jordan, take me in the meta with something funky. Take me in the meta with a smacker. All right, this is it. I'm fucking hyped up about this. Metal World Peace. We here. He's in the building. Yes, sir. Queen's finest. 
Yes, yes. One Queen's the, finest. One, one, one of, of them. The, one, but one of the last from Queen's playing in the NBA. Yeah, we got we to gotta kind of fix that situation. We got, you know, but, you know, it's happening. We got my sons, you know, hopefully. But, but they're, they're, listen, my kids too, like they think they're from New York. They're, they're California kids. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They are. And it's true. They do think they're from where you're from. They want that. <laughs> it's good. Metal World Peace, I appreciate you rocking with me, man. Absolutely. Uh, I've been a fan for a long time. Fucking with you since high school. Heard about you. St. John's, Chicago Bulls, Indiana Pacers. And I'll remind you this. The first time I met you, 2004, you were all-star with Indiana? 2004. I met you with my kids. They were two and four at the all-star game. I was there doing something with NBA TV or something like this. Before the Saturday workout, which is really a joke for most of the players, you were in there with Rick Carlisle was your coach? Yeah. Full sweat, full lather, full workout on the Saturday before the quote-unquote practice. And I'm not going to name names, but players came in there smelling like things that NBA <laughs> played. But you were in there busting your ass. You were nice to my kids. Absolutely. But I remember how impressed I was because that weekend, All-Star Weekend in Los Angeles it was. It I was, think, yeah. You know, it's a free-for-all. It's a party. You it had was a, crazy. a full workout, though. Absolutely. Full workout with your coach, like on a Saturday during All Star break. You know, at that point, I was playing so well, and my goal was just to be the best, man. And I still had a lot of issues off the court, but my goal that year was like, okay, I'm going to be the best player in the league. Mm. I knew we had Shaq, I knew we had Kobe, and I knew it was going to take work. I came into the league only averaging 11 points, it wasn't a lot. But then went up to 12, went to 15, went to 18, and then the year I got suspended, it was at 20. 24 and you know that was I was Wait, you got suspended I got suspended. <laughs> yeah I did I don't know how that well, happened I don't know what the fuck what, what the happen? hell like, was that but go ahead <laughs> but yeah you know yeah I got that, I was averaging 24 that year uh, 24 points and I knew like the next year would have been 25 26 and, and then on top of that you're not only getting scoring but you're getting that lockdown defense so my goal was to just be a clear clearly the best player in the league on the other side, on the west side, you saw Kobe not only a great offensive player, but his defense started to get better, you see? And his offense was still improving. So I felt like I was on my way to being um, in, in the talks. The mm -hmm. year before that, I finished sixth in MVP voting. Mm -hmm. Nobody remembers that because they only remember the MVP, but I was number six. And... I only could go up from there. <laughs> Did you feel like, you know, I remember you, you were talking about that and, 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 you know, like being the best player in the league. Yeah. And, you know, that's sort of like a cliche that right. everybody says. Yeah. But, like, you were actually doing it. Yeah. You know, but, you know, at the time, you know, you have Allen, you have Kobe, you have these guys that are jumping there. They're doing all this stuff. And your game, one thing that I, I always loved about your game, and I remember clearly, clear as day. I remember it was at the other end of the court watching you work out with Rick Carlisle during the All-Star break. Is like your game was never flashy. Like right, your no. game was, you, you know, even at, even at your at your physical prowess, like you were never a high flyer. Never. Great footwork, great fundamentals, you know, and but here you are saying, I'm gonna be the number one player, but you're not dunking on anybody, right, you're not right, crossing right. anybody right. over. It was like a throwback. It wasn't a throwback, it was just a basic. Well, for yeah, it was. It was very basic. You know, I definitely never was a high flyer. When I got older, a lot of people said, Ron Artest or Metal World Peace is losing his athleticism. I, I'm like, I was never athletic. <laughs> you never so, had to step to I've lose. I've never, when I was a rookie, you'll see fast break dunks where I was on the fast break and struggling to dunk with two hands. Right. At times. I never had spring. But for me, it was all about when I get a post position, 
making sure I like hit your shoulder and keeping that, keeping the angle to my favor so I can get an easy layup. Sometimes I wouldn't even jump. So it was like a lot of things like that that helped me score like lots of points. Little stuff like that, like you said, hitting the shoulder. Because I've talked to other people on this podcast, Steven Jackson, yeah. Kenyon Martin. When I asked them who were the toughest people to guard, obviously they mentioned Shaq. Kenyon went against him in the fucking finals at his... When he was at his, yeah, that was amazing. Kenyon did great, but but he talked about you being the strongest motherfucker. When so when you're talking about like hitting people's shoulder, you know, and how conscious were you of these sort of tricks of the trade? And and did you learn them? How did you learn them? Well, the way I learned how to you kind of you know get buckets was really just try and try and try. And I wasn't a good player. I got tired of running into people, and that didn't work in the NBA because everybody's strong, everybody big. You're not just going to go in there and get two points. So I had to find other ways to make it work. So started working on my little fadeaway jumper because I wasn't able to jump over people. So I added that to my game. Had a little drop step. Had some, had some pivot work in the post. Added a three ball. Added a mid-range jumper. You know, so everything I started to add that, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I never got 40 in the NBA. You never had 40 points? I never had 40. I had 39 twice. I had a, a couple 20s and... Maybe a couple thirties, but because I was always locking up on defense, right. you know, so all my energy was on defense. But I did have opportunities to, to, to score, but never like fifty. Or, right. But the only when I averaged twenty four, the only reason I averaged twenty four was because Steve Jackson. So Steve Jackson and me, we, we would argue <laughs> about ahead. who was guarding the best player. You guys would both want it. We would argue. I'm like Steve, I got this tonight. He's like, Nah, I got this. So we on the court like. Motherfucker, I got this motherfucker. I'm like, fuck you, I got this motherfucker. So I'm like, shit. It's like, there's no, there's no real arguing with Steve Jackson. So I'm like, okay, Steve, you got him. So every game, Steve was guarding the best players. So I was freed up, you know, to go to work. <laughs> That's dope, though, that you guys, like two guys on the same team that were yeah. like into playing defense. We literally will argue about who, who who's guarding the best player. <laughs> I mean, that, that that team, like, you know, the, the malice and all that, it's been covered and discussed so much, but like that team, man, you guys had ballers, you were tough. Um, that team was amazing. I mean, when you look back, obviously you won the championship with the Lakers. Like, do you think if things hadn't gotten fucking all crazy that that team could have really, like you guys could have won a championship? Everything that you know about basketball now, like realistically. I'm not going to say we could have won because... I don't want to discredit the people that won. I don't want to do that. And I don't want to... I'm very confident, but I don't know. But we was definitely in position. We won 61 games the year before that. You know, we started out... That year we won 61 games. We started out 16-1. and one. Those, That Pacer team was 16-1. and one. We started out 16-1. and one. And then... And that's when Reggie Miller was out. Me and, so our Harrington was playing the right. three, and I was playing the two. <laughs> That's crazy. That was, so we could not be beat. <laughs> but then when Reggie came back, Reggie got the starting spot back because Reggie Bill, the Hall of Famer. And I always thought, like, if, I, if me and Al stayed at that two, three, and then Reggie, you know, came off the bench, mm -hmm. we probably would have won 70 games. Right. but it We just, was 16 and one. Does it just not work that way? Or, like, he would have to say, I'm cool with coming off the bench, Reggie, right? Well, I mean, I don't really know. And, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, the team that we had was really that good. Right. And then we got Steve Jackson the next year, still had Reggie Miller, and I think Al Harrington was gone. So, you know, so and we started out about, we started out, I think we was, uh, I got suspended nine games in, so we were seven and two. I right. think when I got suspended. Was it nine games in that happened? We was nine games in. Damn. Seven and two. Reggie Miller, 
I mean, I, as a Knicks fan, I, and I told him to his face, and when I say it, I always remember, I couldn't fucking stand that motherfucker. <laughs> like, I mean, I fucking hated him. And, and he thrived off that hate. He did. He loved it. How good was Reggie Miller uh, when he was cooking? How good was he to watch him shoot around? Like, what is the legacy of Reggie Miller, like, to play with him, to see it up close, especially when you were a young player? Reggie, Stephen Curry, um, Jerry West, all, you know, so many great shooters. He's kind of similar to me, whereas I was big but not athletic. He was slim and not athletic. Mm -hmm. Had to figure it out. So he's not going to go in there and bang with 230-pound small forwards because mm -hmm. he's 6'6". Really small forward height. Mm -hmm. He figured it out and got a wet ball from the outside. I remember him being at practice, shooting before practice, shooting after practice. Then in game days, uh, shooting before shoot-arounds. Uh, getting to the gym at 3.30 for a 7.30 game, something like that. And I, I remember me just saying, I don't have the mental patience to be there at 3.30. I need the game to start. Reggie was very disciplined. It was real. It wasn't just a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. He, was, he put in the work. All people see is the shots, you know, Reggie coming off corner uh, baseline screens, but they don't see the practice. I wish they would have filmed that because it was very impressive. What, uh, uh, Larry Bird was the GM at the time? Yes. Did he ever come down and shoot around with you guys? Like, Larry was all the time. He liked you. Like, he talked about, like, you. he liked your game. He was like a fan of yours. Well, you know, I was on a cover of Sports Illustrated with Larry, with Larry behind me. And I kind of wish that would have never happened because Larry had my back, and I felt like I didn't have his back when the brawl happened. When the brawl happened, there was a couple reasons why I didn't have Larry's back. One was because... I was very stuck in my own ways. So even though he had my back, I, I wasn't mentally strong enough to say, okay, you need to relax. You need to chill out. People actually like you because I didn't trust anybody. At the time. N nobody. <laughs> I never trust anybody. So for somebody to come and show love, I'm like, fuck that. You know, this motherfucker don't like me. You know, and that's the approach I always took. So anytime somebody was to help me, I'm like, fuck that. You know, and um, then when I got suspended, they all had my back. The whole pace of organization they was did. behind me. Every single one of them. It okay. Was, I, I was like, wow, you know, but I got there the next year and I asked for a trade. And that is the- Why'd you do that? The reason I, it was a couple of reasons I asked for a trade. One was because I started to get this sense of entitlement. Even after the fucking brawl? Even after the brawl. That's the type of selfish person I was. Even after the brawl, I still was like, okay, brawl's over. Now it's back to regular old Ron. Fuck you. Right? And, um, and fuck everybody. Right. <laughs> you see? And, um, and that approach that I had was not one of a team player. Mm -hmm. So it's not one of a great player. You know, it's not one. When I, tell, when I talk to kids to this day, I'm like, listen, put all that energy into the game. You know what I'm saying? I was talking to my son the other day. So one of my sons is super passionate. And I, got to, I had to tell him at eight years old, like, yo, put all that into the game. Stop doing a little bullshit, tangle up fouls. Put all that into your game. Now, my, new, my older son, he's a little bit more reserved, but I know he got it in him because he got the art test blood. Uh -huh. <laughs> I know he got it in him. Uh -huh. So then the other day, he's 18. So the other day, I'm like, motherfucker, you got to practice harder than that. I'm getting tired of this shit, right? So he goes out, goes full court, dunk on somebody's head, and he never calls fouls, right? 
So I'm like, son, you have to call fouls in pickup games because if you don't call a foul, your team is always going to lose. So the other day he said, foul, took the ball, give me the fucking ball. I've never seen this from my 18-year-old son. Okay. You see, but I'm like, son, that's what I want. But... <laughs> Put it into the game. Did it? Who was anyone telling you to put it into the game? I mean, before, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Before the fucking malice, like I was like, this dude just a ball player. Like I mean, he was a tough, hard nosed player, but like it, there was no. That's because nobody saw the practices. Okay, so nobody you, saw the off the court shit. Okay, so I was you, crazy. Okay, okay, <laughs> a lot of crazy. shit. I got you. I'll okay. tell you some stories. So, one story I was at St. John's. Okay, I was at Mike Jarvis office. Nobody was there. I former coach. Former coach. I love Mike Jarvis. I got, he lives in Florida. I got to actually go see him one of these days. And, um, you know, he was like, no, nobody was there. I needed to get home. I practiced hard after practice. I stayed for like two, three hours just going to work. And I couldn't get home, and I was hungry. And I, and I felt like, shit, I can't get home, so fuck this. <laughs> and I um, tore up the whole office. So everybody, family pitches, broke the family pitches, threw chairs through the window. Are you serious? Um trash the whole shit like a hurricane then after it was trashed i leave the office <laughs> and then i walk back into the office like oh fuck so then i start <laughs> cleaning up <laughs> um the office and i call our basketball coordinator alex evans i say alex i fucked the office up <laughs> um you know and i was at st john's right there's a bunch of other stories I could tell you in the league. You were the first basketball player that I heard acknowledge mental health. Yeah. I, I, when the Lakers won the championship, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you gave a shout out to your therapist, like right my after psych- the, my psychologist. Your yeah. psychologist. Yeah. You know, this year, since the All Star break, you know, uh, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, um, a handful of other people have spoken out about mental health in the NBA. Ty Lue situation, you know, it's obviously it's physical, but stress is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it mean to you, mental health? Like, you donated money to mental health awareness, to mental health charities, and why did you start doing that? How has it sort of helped you, and, like, where do you think it's going in the NBA? Because the stereotype of black dude, Queensbridge, hood, it's not like therapist, psychotherapy, mental health. It's like, yo, we, I'm about it, about it. I'm hard body. I'm going to stay hard body. Right. And you sort of broke the fucking stereotype. Yeah. Like, you broke the stereotype, and you sort of created this stereotype with the malice. Right, right, right. So right. what does all the mental health stuff mean to you? Yeah, it's very important to me because you got to think about it. You have... Players that's coming into sports getting paid millions of dollars. And nobody know the backstories. And people always say money doesn't make you better. It magnifies who you are. Mm. You know, money, the money magnifies who I was, who I wanted to be. When I was a kid, and then I saw the opportunity to make money, I'm like, and you can get girls, and you could just buy shit and go to the fucking clubs. And that's, and that's what I wanted to do. And, and now I can bring all my boys with me, and, and we super hard. And, and now, you know... Whoever wanted, they could get it. Like everything that I was about was magnified, and all, all, all the uh, whether it was bad or whether it was problems, it was magnified, and and the money did that to me. Uh huh. You see what I'm saying? So when I got to the championship, and I think my psych, my psychologist, it was just all the trials and tribulations I've been through, and it took other people talk to talk to to really help me figure my life out, mm-hmm. not somebody else's life. Or somebody I want to be, you know, and then something I always wanted, which was a ring. And it took 
10 years and suspensions and I finally got one, you know, so it was a great, it was a great time to let people know, like, without my psychologist, I don't think this would have been possible. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. You were obviously in therapy. And, yeah, and, yeah, and like, yeah. just like hearing like, a, look at you, you're a fucking goon. You're Ron Artest. You're Metal World Peace. Like, you're like that dude. And then you're like, you know, going into therapy. It's like almost like fucking Sopranos. Yeah, it's absolutely. like, you know, you're like Tony Soprano in therapy. Like, you wouldn't expect Tony Soprano in therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to. It's too, there's so many things that could affect you. You could go, you could be watching TV. You could see a war in the Middle East. And it show a graphic picture. Kid leg blown off. Like, that affects you. Right. You're like, oh, man, that's so messed up. That energy that you just consumed, you, you're walking out your house with that. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, man, that's just messed up, and you walk out your house, and you don't feel that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, Or if a family member died, or if you separated from a loved one, or if somebody disrespected you, you know, anything. Maybe your auntie's struggling. Like, there's so many things that people don't address that you just put it's like putting money in the piggy bank where you just put an emotion in your emotional bank mm -hmm. you know and sometimes people don't let things out you know and you just carry this for years and years and years and add into it and add into it you know um and never addressed it right you see what i'm saying and and for me it was like i need to start addressing everything right because i want to at this point i'm almost 40 and i like at this point i want to feel how i feel today i want to be going downhill you know, when I'm 80 or 70, I want to be feeling good. And I said, you know, I didn't want to be stressing and being on some thug shit or whatever you want to call it right. at the age of 45. Right, I got you. You know what I'm saying? What do you think of the Ty Lue uh, uh, leaving? You know, like, it, based on what, you know, what they're they're saying, it's like, they're like, well, he'll be back in a week. I'm like, nah, you shouldn't. I mean, I don't know what the fuck he's going through, but right. if, you're, if you're having heart stuff, like, you shouldn't take a week off. Like, it should be like, yo. We don't know when the fuck you're coming back. What, what is your, your take on, on his situation uh, with, the, with the Cavaliers? Well, I mean, I, I don't know what he's going through. I just know he's out. Um, I thought it was, I seen Ty Lue when he played, and I seen him as a coach. He got a little bit chunky to me. He got some nice checks. I think he got more money as a coach than as a player. I bet. You know, so I, maybe he's eating good, and maybe more In-N-Out burgers or something. I don't know. I'm like, with health, I'm thinking... Um, body health is it the food that he's consuming because I did see him and I saw his gut uh -huh. that's not the Tyrone Lou hitting threes winning championships so you know I think as a player when you retire you got to take care of your body physically mentally emotionally I don't know which one's affecting him but I, I think like I don't think he's working out as much as he did when he was a player can, <laughs> can a basketball coach even find time to work it's hard. out it's really hard to find time because when I coach you know uh Luckily, I can still play it. And Coach Kobe of the uh, South Bay Lakers, when I coach that team, I play with them sometimes. Right. But it's hard to play. It's hard to stay in shape as a coach because you're on your feet the whole time. Are you staying? Because big three's coming up. Absolutely. Ron, I'm the fucking sideline reporter. I call it like it is. <laughs> All right. And I'm telling you right now, that 14-second clock is reality. It is, huh? That 14-second clock is reality. <laughs> are you, are, where, where are you at? Like, how much ball are you playing? You I mean, you look good. I'm in decent but can, shape. Can we run up and down the court, even in half court? Like, what do we got? What do we got to offer for the I'm, big three? I mean, I'm in, I'm in decent shape. I'm in good enough shape to play. Um, but we're going to see. <laughs> but I'm definitely getting in shape, and I've definitely been playing a lot of ball. And um, who do you play? And, ball and it's only with now? once a week, so that's even better. Right. Who, who do you play ball with now? Like, it's not like you can go to the park and play like with me. 
That shit's not. I play help. ball with a lot of people right now, but you know, it's all it's all about how hard you go. So if I play with some people at a park, it's not about them. It's about me. How hard am I playing? Right. You see what I'm saying? And and I did that the other day. I was out. You just show up at a park. I play everywhere. And motherfuckers are just like, are they like, I got this guy. I got. He's yeah. on my team. I'm like, what team am I on? <laughs> when I walk into the park, or if I walk to like a gym or something. That's dope. Yeah. Uh, but I actually, my last one, I played with some Chinese kids. <laughs> but I, so I have an app called Gridello. The reason I developed this app. What is it called? Gridello. Okay. The reason was because when I was semi-retired, I still want to play ball. I don't want the NBA saying, your career is over, and then what do you do next? Because the NBA is not going to help you find another place to play basketball. It's on you. And sometimes overseas is not going to let you play. I want to play ball, so I developed an app. Where I can play ball. So now I can play ball against really good competition because it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to go to Equinox today or I'm going to go to Veteran Park and find ballers. Right. Maybe I'm in Italy today because I'm traveling, doing business, and I still want to find really good ballers. So I, I said, you know what? I'm going to develop an That's app dope. for myself, and I'll be finding good competition. Well, what's, it, what's it called? It's like grade L-O, so uh, G-R-A-D-E-L-O. Um, dot com is the actual company but then the, the app that's where you can actually like go in there and just do your thing you're involved with a lot of business stuff like yeah. you're 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 taking advantage of your resources in la yes. you're taking advantage of being a champion in la yes uh your former teammate kobe yeah somehow some way i mean only fucking kobe bryant would say i'm gonna make movies make one movie and then win a goddamn oscar right out the box what are you passionate about outside of your family, outside of your kids, outside of showing out at the big three? You know, you got the clothing line, the panda's best friend, the yeah, panda's friend. The panda's friend. You got apps. What, what, like in five, six, seven years when you're definitely, you know, not playing in any you know, <laughs> high level of basketball, like what are, what are you passionate about? Yeah, so right now I'm passionate about digital marketing. Uh, it's the foundation of, of sports to me, a sports business. And there's a lot of athletes out there that don't get the attention um, that a high-level athlete would get. Whether they get State Farm commercials, Gatorade, Nike, um, insurance, Amex. And then what happens with that and NBA, not only do you get those brands, you get all their marketing teams. Okay. So then State Farm is marketing you so much, it's actually helping Gatorade. And then they're both marketing you. That's helping Nike. That's helping your sales, like, from all angles. Well, the problem is, if you're just as good as another player, but he has more endorsements than you, then you're never going to reap the benefits of, or, or even reach your potential of, uh, like, endorsements. And the amount of money you can make. The amount of money you can make, how you can optimize your brand. So when I went back to UCLA this summer for digital analytics on Mondays, and you I went was, to school. Yeah, I was in school. That's fucking dope. Yeah, I was I was a math major in college, in college, and an architect major. So I mean, a lot of people don't notice because I was just so passionate, and I just I seemed crazy. But you know, I I was crazy actually. Were you a good but, student when you wanted to be? I wasn't a good student. I was a hungry student. Oh, uh, okay. So even I when was, you were a kid, yeah, I just didn't like to fail. Okay, and I did fail a lot. But I was very aggressive, like, in terms of, like, studying and shit. <laughs> okay. I was super aggressive. Um, so then, like, and then I went to, on Saturdays, I was going to Concordia, Irvine, and OC. This at, past summer? This summer. For business analytics. Oh, shit. And then I was going to Vancouver for Google Analytics. So you're not fucking mm. around? No, no, absolutely not. Super aggressive <laughs> with this digital marketing and digital analytics. Okay, so your guy Kobe, 
Yeah. Give me your your best Kobe. I mean, you were you were like a rival with Kobe. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, he came, got you. Yeah. Like, you know, you went at it. When you were with Houston, like you guys went at it. He, he was the threw best. In at- he's the best. Why? Why was he the best? I mean, he was the best and I want to be the best. So we have a problem. <laughs> I have, every, every time I play against him, I, I have a major issue because he's clearly the best. I want to be the best. And at this point, I'm not. So I'm not your fucking friend. Like, I want your spot. <laughs> um... And it was hard to get a spot because I, was, I wasn't stable enough. For one, I was beating myself, so I didn't even have a chance. You know, but um, he was the best because of his work ethic, uh, his fundamentals. Uh, I'm sure he, he's been around pros for his whole life. He's been around Mike D'Antoni, who's in Italy. He's been around his dad in Italy. Um, he, he, has some, he has some of the best coaching you can possibly get. You know, and, uh, and then he had that drive. Um, and he, and he's been through it. He saw it all. His dad played in the league. So I think all that made him who he was. So many things. Um, and he's always thinking. Uh, so when I met him, I'm like, wow, this is this is the guy. This is the guy. <laughs> it was it was clear. It was clear why he was the guy. And I watched him practice. I'm like, oh wow, I thought I was the most intense. So our intensity levels was pretty Similar, I think his was a notch up because how he approached the game. It was all about the game. It was all about the game. Me, it wasn't all about the game. It was all about who I don't fucking like when I step on the court. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it wasn't about basketball. Um, I and, love that. You know, I get it. You know what I'm saying? That's that New York shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, and, you know, Kobe, I, I appreciated how he, how he approached the game. Then it helped me become a basketball player when I met Kobe. When you start, when you played with him? When I played with him, I was like, okay, it's all about the game. <laughs> I got you. It's all about the game. <laughs> Is this true? You, Lamar Odom, Elton Brand were on a, an AAU team in New York? Yeah. You, Lamar, Elton, who else is on this team? I mean, do you even need anybody else? Yeah, Eric Barkley was the first round pick. The next year, after me and Lamar, we was all on the same team. We had we had a monster. We had a monster team. Did you ever lose? We lost one game. To Who the Bar- fuck beat you? We lost one game to Baron Davis team. They beat us by twenty, and then we came back in the championship and beat them by like forty. So the only team that beat us was the team we beat back in the finals. But um. Like, we played against Shane Battier team one time and beat them by, like, 30 or 40. This is all when you were in high school? In high school. We beat teams. We was winning championships by 50. We, it got to a point where we, was, we, were, we would get to the championship game, and we would say, okay, how much are we going to try to win by? <laughs> you know, it was that, it was that bad. It was, who, who was the best at, at that time? Elton. Elton was. Elton was always the best. Lamar was always second. Me and Eric Barkley was always, like, third or fourth even. And, but we all did things differently. Defensively, I was the best. <laughs> how, how old and were you guys like, when you started playing together? Oh, we started at 13, 14. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, we started early. And Lamar's from Queens. We all pushed each other. That's a fucking crew, Sometimes man. we had fights in practice. You know, you know, me and Lamar, me and Lamar multiple times had fights. Me and Elton, we started throwing punches on a layup line in front of a bunch of college scouts. And you're on the same team. Yeah, in front of Duke and everybody. I'm like, fuck this shit. Fuck you. And we just saw each other so much. So one, we was on the label line. I passed him the ball. He passed me the ball. I thought he threw it at me hard. 
So <laughs> I got the ball. I threw it at him hard. He's like, yo, what the fuck? Did we start throwing punches? <laughs> That's fucking funny. For no reason. We was crazy. <laughs> was crazy. When you look at Lamar, I mean, Lamar, you know him. You grew up with him. And and all the shit that he's been through. Yeah. And, I, and I've known Lamar a little bit. And I'm always like, this is a nice guy. Right, right, right. You know, like, he's a sweet guy. Yeah. And, like, this craziness that he's got involved with. Do right. you, are you still in touch with him? Sometimes I speak to Lamar. I mean, I have his number. Um, our lives are totally different. I don't have, like, a lot of friends that, I'm, that I play with. Partially because... I was always struggling mentally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would go home because I had my family at home. Mm-hmm. So not only was I struggling, I had to get home because I'm trying to keep my household in order, mm-hmm. which was very tough. Because mm-hmm. not only was I struggling, but then I, had, I still wanted that other life of um, fame and what money can get you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All that hip-hop shit. Yeah. So I, I didn't, throughout the time, I didn't develop like a lot of close, close friendships. And in NBA, like, I've never had like lunch with Lamar or Elton, some of my best friends, mm. or even Steve Jackson, or even Al Harrington. Mm. Still now. Still, still to this day. And not only am I in a different mind state, but then even now, it's like I'm catching up on time that I miss with my family. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Like, the 18 years that my daughter was living, but you know, I wasn't there mentally. <laughs> I got you. So now I'm like, I'm catching up on time. So I, I still don't really have a lot of time to really mingle a lot. I got you. I pick my, I take my daughter to school every morning. I bring her lunch at 12, you know, when I can, when I'm not practicing with the South Bay Lakers. I practice with both of my sons, you know, every day. I'm, uh, my daughter wants to be a chef. I have to be present, you know, all the time. So, um, and my kids live with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, it's, and I, I got divorced, you know, when I was 32 years old. I'm 38. So my kids live with me, so I don't have a lot of time to do a lot. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Wait, I mean, what, what level are you coaching? So I coach um, high school, Palisades, assistant coach, we back-to-back champions. You're the assistant coach? I was, two years ago. Then I coached Beverly Hills. I was assistant coach a little bit for Beverly Hills a couple years ago. And you're not doing this for the money? No, no, no. I'm doing it for the experience, and I'm doing it to see how I'm... To, to how I'm going to coach. I'm trying to find my, my rhythm. I got you. And then I coach uh, Hillcrest Academy this year with while coaching um, South Bay Lakers development coach, assistant development coach. Okay. And then I coach in the summertime. So I got, I got like three or four teams in the summertime that I coach. How do you, knowing your work ethic and knowing that the fundamentals that you developed throughout your career, and, and we're in a day and age where I call it the Instagramification of defense. Right. Motherfuckers are playing sachet defense, yeah. even in the NBA. Yeah. Like, people don't want to get caught on the gram getting crossed over. Right, right, right. People don't want to get caught on the gram getting dunked on. You you know this better than anyone. You're going to get fucking banged on if you're playing good defense. Yeah. You're going to get crossed over playing defense. And you know that no one likes to play defense. Right, right, right. Right? right. The, it, the first and foremost is if you have the effort to play defense, you're going to be better than the next person most likely. Mm-hmm. When you're coaching people that are, aren't even as good as you on your worst day, and, and there's so much as like, I don't want to get crossed over. How do you deal with that knowing yeah. that you fucking, like you didn't give a fuck about that? So that, that was the, that's the main thing I tell my players. Get in his ass. <laughs> or I tell my girls, get in her ass. Right? So we just took my guys now. And I don't care if he beats you. I want you in his ass the whole time. And, and, and if he beats you, I, he's going to give you 60 points tonight. I don't care. I want you in his ass the whole time. <laughs> now my players kind of understand that. And um, I got a young team that I coached. And the other day we lost by about six. 
but they was playing so aggressive. Um, one time they didn't dive on the floor for a loose ball, so I walked on the court. <laughs> and the ref called a tech. And I, I wasn't going to the ref. I was going to my play. I'm like, you motherfucker, dive on the motherfucking floor for the goddamn ball. <laughs> I walked on the <laughs> I, I got a tech, but it's all right. But what do you think of the of the state of defense in the NBA? Like this this Wesley Johnson gets crossed over by James Harden. The Like it literally became mainstream news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in and, and my opinion, it's like it's affecting kids. It's fine with me. Put me on the memes all the time. Of getting dunked on. You don't give a fuck. Because you know you're... The dunks I don't like. The dunks... Who, who, who? I've never really been posterized because I always tried to get out the way. Well, you, those, you, those are the ones I never wanted to be on somebody's wall like that. You, you, when, you knew it, when you knew it is inevitable, you get out of the way. When I knew it was no... Yeah. Who, some things I can't do. Okay. So who are the ones that you didn't get out of the way? When you look at your career, you're like, damn, I wish I, wish I had gotten away or I wish I had fouled him or I wish I had grabbed him. Like three times when, when Meta was Ron Artest yeah. that you got banged on. In the NBA. Well, I never, I, I never really... Come on. Oh, wow. Corey Maggette one time came over my back as I was going for a rebound, dunked on me, and sat on my shoulders. Like, that was, that was really embarrassing. And actually hurt my back. I feel like I cracked some bones <laughs> in my back. He, you know, he did the rude, like, shit. It, 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 was, it, was, it was nasty. It was nasty. Besides Kobe Bryant, because, you know, like, the tales of Kobe, Man. you know, it, it, it's like we... Just nasty. Who were the other people defensively where you were like, I got to fucking get some sleep. I got to drink some, some milk and some orange juice to lock up. You know, like that were a problem. Everybody. Give me, give, give me a like, specific. Every, every single one of them. I don't care if you were like, let's just say Bruce Bowen, not as, not as good as Kobe offensively. Like, I did not want him to score. If you, if you average six, I'm keeping you to fucking zero. But who were the ones that like, were the hardest to stop? Well, um, Richard Hamilton was pretty hard from keeping him to getting his average. What made Rip so good? Well, Rip was running around the whole time. <laughs> you couldn't lose him. So it was times where I, I'm not going to say I didn't have great nights against him. I had some. But Rip ran and ran and ran and ran, and it was amazing to watch and play against. Uh, Kobe, see, but Kobe, he's going to take, what, um, 30 shots? Right. <laughs> 35 shots? Right. For me, I, when I went into those games, it's like, okay, if if I can keep Kobe under, you know, forty percent shooting, right. I'm, I'm fine with that. You're thinking percentages because he's gonna the amount of shots. In- yeah, you're not gonna stop him from shooting. Some guys I can stop from shooting, which was really cool. Um, Grant Hill when he was in his prime, he got hurt early. Right, but I was able to time his shot. You just like that was just something you you were able yeah. to do with him. I, I used to block his jump shot. Okay. I knew he was taking two dribbles and I knew where the ball was going to be. So I would just have my hand waiting and I would, my hand would be just blocking the shot. I told you <laughs> Kenyon and a couple other people mentioned you as the strongest person, tough to, in the post. If I ask you who were the, the heart, like who would you say strongest, toughest, like down in the block? Like who were some of the people like you, th- like throughout, because you played with some old motherfuckers too yeah, when yeah, you first yeah, came yeah. in the league. Matt Harper was pretty strong. Um, Matt Harper? He was pretty strong. Uh, you know, he, he and aggressive and really great, great shape. Um, obviously, Shaq, Malone, Lonzo. Carl. Carl Malone. What was he? I mean, you played against. Carl well, Malone was very strong. And he's <laughs> like from another era. He's like from like from some, some other fucking era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, well, yeah, he's definitely from another era. Um, I think he would have been really good in today's game because he could shoot. And he's super fast. And he could hedge on screens. He would have been amazing in today's game. 
how different is is the NBA today from when forget when you played when you first watched it? Like if you came in a league now, how tall are you? Six six. Are you six six? Yeah. I mean, I'm not taller. <laughs> when you know dudes Look now, like, like seven feet, you see Joel Embiid three pointers. Yeah, They're like how different is the NBA, and and what do you think of it? Because you were like you like the physicality. Today yeah. it's like anti physical. Like it's literally like the defenders are There's at a so fucking many rules. At, at a mercy. They're at the mercy. For me, I don't really, I don't like that the game is biased towards uh, a, a weaker player, like a player that's not as strong as someone. The game is biased. You mean it, physically? Physically, the game is um, the rules are made for that player, the player that's not aggressive, the player that's, that's aggressive is not really made for that player. You see, so um, and and that's where you you get the iffy calls because you can't really take out every aggressive player. You need like you need Draymond Green, so that's where sometimes you see the missed calls and you see things like that. But um, if you're like Stephen Curry and you get bumped, foul. <laughs> but he's a little dude. I'm talking about for the fucking guys in the paint, the goons. You're in the fucking it's, like there is no paint now. It's true. It, is because, there? Is there like a paint? Is there back to the basket shit now? Well, the rules changed and they made it more like overseas. Because what happened was when they was trying to, when they was getting the overseas players, <laughs> they were never able to really compete over here. Right. You know, because America's players just aggressive. <laughs> right. You know, so they had to change the rules up to make it a more global game. Do you like it? Like, are you a fan of it? Um, I'm a fan because it seems like it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, I feel, I feel like without Golden State's exceptional, it is a little bit more one-on-one, on one, but then back in the days, it was even more one-on-one. On one right. With Charles Barkley backing down for five seconds. Right. So the game is definitely, the, the, the rules could have changed. Uh, I, th- I think it changed for the better. You have a son uh, who play in high school. You know, there's there's like a handful of you guys just that I know of in Los Angeles. Yeah. Kenyon, Shaquille. Shaquille. Uh, you, you're coaching. You said, you know, you spent a lot of time with your kids. What do you make of the Lonzo Ball rookie season and the big bowler brand in terms of, you know, his father and just as a Laker, like the outspokenness, you know, the disrespect yeah. of your guy, Luke Walton. I don't like that. Well, what, 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 I mean, this, I mean, it's sort of calmed down now. Yeah, yeah, well, what, yeah, yeah. What do you make? I mean, to me, it's like, what, what is your take on the whole thing? Well, I, everything is great, with the exception of like, you know, Lucas, Lucas, cool people. He's, he's, a, he's a great coach. And sometimes things don't go your way. Luke coached Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. And if Lonzo is that good, then you got a great coach coaching your son. Um, maybe made a mistake, um, whatever. Everybody makes mistakes. I, I hear you. Everybody makes mistakes. You mean what, like in terms of LeBar? If Luke, if Luke happened to make a mistake oh, with Lonzo, everybody makes mistakes. Right. Luke is the most funnest coach to coach for. He's young. He's smart. <laughs> you know, you got to be happy with that. You know, and sometimes we got to accept things that we, you know, can control. Like maybe we're not playing well, so... You can't blame somebody else because maybe you're not playing well. Right. Um, with the brand, I loved it. I bought a pair of shoes. Did you get them? Yeah, I wore it to the game the other day. Okay. When I saw the Lakers play, I had the Zoe's on, which is cool. I think that's really cool. Um, first time 
big businessman. I don't know what he's doing done before that, but the a first time family business mm-hmm. is going pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nobody is perfect. Mm-hmm. But I think the business is going well and I think they're going to be around for a long time. What do you think of him? Forget all the shenanigans, forget all the fucking hype, forget all the LeVar factor. What do you think of Lonzo as a basketball player and then follow that, what do you think of the Lakers or where they are? It's been like, yeah. I mean, and Kuzma has been like, Nobody He's knew who so the fuck this good. guy was. He's so good. So first, Lonzo, what do you think of him as a, just a basketball player? Lonzo is one of the best basketball players in the NBA. I'm talking about total basketball player. Let's talk about IQ. Let's talk about physicality. They say he don't got defense. I don't see that. He has defense. And he's young. He's going to get better. He's not a lockdown Metal World piece at 24. He's only 19 or 20 or something like that. I don't even know. He's, he's a really good basketball player. Um, and I'm not saying that because of the hype. I'm saying that because how he moves the ball and how he controls the game and how he uh, sacrifices his own rhythm for other players. He don't take like lots of shots because he's trying to get everybody involved. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's actually making himself look bad and taking all the heat with it. Mm-hmm. Great, great player all around. What do you think of where they're at? Julius Randle, I like him. He's, I'm not saying he's met a world piece. There's something about him, you know, he's a little bit more finesse, but, you know, he... He's so, yeah. What do you think of him? What do you think of the rest of this team and, and the state of the Lakers? And give it to me right now, because you fucking know. This yeah. is your guy. Is LeBron James coming to the Lakers? So it's a two-fold question. What do you think of the rest of the Lakers, and is LeBron come, coming to the Lakers? Give it well, to me. It's hard to say, because I'm not, I'm not in the front office. You know what's going on. I don't on. know what's going give on. Give me something. Listen, if I, was, if I was in the front office, I, guess I would, couldn't say that in the probably either, <laughs> But it's like I don't speak to like you know the the decision makers. I got you. with the organization. You know, I only help um, players. I got you. <laughs> who need help? Um, I got you. Or who want to have a little fun and practice? I got you. You know, I, I'm not even drawing up plays. I got. I'm you. I'm a development coach. You know, which I love. Right. I, lo- I love. I love doing this. It's a, lot, it's a lot of fun. What would it be if he came to Los Angeles? Well, I, it's hard to say. I mean, right now he's losing. Um, Compared for you no know, for his status, he's losing. Right. For other people it would have been great. For LeBron is bad. Um so it's like, okay, do you bring him here to win, to mentor, to I don't know, you know, um it can you put a team around him or does he take a step back? Like I don't know. Is you know, um I don't know what type of player he's gonna be next year. He's gonna still be pretty good, but is is he is he the number one player? It's so many questions that I have, you know, um, as a fan, you know, of the Lakers. Uh, so many questions I have. You uh, played against Kobe. You played with Kobe. This is an obligatory question, and I'm gonna get into it. Get in, it's like the top five hip hop artists, yeah. which is even more subjective because it's like your five could be totally different from my five. It's just what you like. Kobe, LeBron, Michael Jordan. If you had to pick one in their prime. You you obviously watched Michael. <sighs> this is so hard. Is it is it a stupid <laughs> question? Is it, is it dumb because it's 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 a team sport? I get, I get asked that all the time. Is it I'm, stupid? It's not stupid. It's amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing question. I mean, these are three of the best, and now LeBron has finally cemented his name with those guys. You know because of what he's done, and. I mean, um, they're all in their prime. You, you know got what's first amazing? Pick. You know what's amazing? Nobody ever mentions Kevin Durant. They always say LeBron, Kobe, or Jordan. Nobody ever says Kevin Durant. Why LeBron. not? I don't know. What do you think? 
Um, How good is that I motherfucker? Think, I think he's really good, but I think in the last couple years, he's been having more heart. He's playing defense now. And I think with all of those three guys, they play defense. Kevin Durant just started playing defense um, on the wings. He was always capable, but never really bit down. Now he's biting down. Um, you got first pick. pick. We're in the park. Queensbridge. I'm picking Kobe, man. Over Michael and LeBron in their prime. I don't think I have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking Kobe, man. I go with Kobe. I play with Kobe. You know, I'm going. You know what? I'm definitely going with Kobe. If I was in a park, honestly, or just, let's just say Space Jam Two, they got a basketball <laughs> court. You know, we want to play some ball. LeBron's there, Kobe. And we just want to get in shape. Somehow, I'm there. Don't know how the fuck I got in the building. <laughs> I'm picking Kobe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, hip hop. You put out two records. Uh, your guy Lonzo. I was very outspoken when about the disrespect over Nasty. Now he's from Queensbridge. That was great. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, well, yeah, what, yeah. what it goes on in Queensbridge? You got ball players. Roxanne Shante. Rock the movie coming out. Netflix. Shante. Shante. Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne. Roxanne. Molly Mall. Juice Crew. I don't think Lonzo understood. I don't, I, his dad understands, but his dad probably should have said Lonzo. You might not know what you're talking about, but that's you know they they ride or die with each other. But um, I think he might have he might have messed up. But what is it about Queensbridge? Now it's it's New York is just as a whole. There's there's been a lot of improvements. What is it about Queensbridge projects yeah. that that you know through the 70s and 80s through all the duress? And if you if you're not from there, you don't know. But like through all the duress. Created obviously there was so much pain, so much chaos, so much devastation. But they had you know uh, diamonds in the rough, like Shante, like Nas, like yourself. What is it about Queensbridge projects uh, that you know create some special people? Queensbridge is a different mindset, man. And obviously you have great people everywhere. It's not just Queensbridge, but as a whole, we were the drug hub for New York City. Explain it. You understand what I'm saying? So, we are in prime real estate area. <laughs> it's the perfect place to transport. <laughs> you know, um, you got every subway system. You got the every bridge is right bus. There. The bridge is right there. So, I mean, you're in the middle of this drug war. You know, it was times where we. it was so much money being passed around in my neighborhood. You know, other people was coming to my neighborhood, not even from the neighborhood. And then they come in the neighborhood, and then they're, they're causing havoc in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So then in our neighborhood, we had a couple people who stood up to whoever came into the neighborhood. You know, um, so that's the type of neighborhood we grew up in. It was wild, right? It was, it was, it was wild, you know, and... Violent. It, it was violent. It was fun, but it was definitely like... You know, somebody could definitely die today. <laughs> like, that was just part of what was going on at the time oh, in New York. A lot of times. Lot parts of, time. of Queens. I've seen some of my, one of my friends who was a very good student used to get A's on every test. His name was Bantu. Get A's on every test. From kindergarten till eighth grade. And it's so easy. He, he could have been a math, whatever he wanted to be. And, um... When I went to high school and I would see him on the street, I'm like, hey, what you doing? You going to school? <laughs> You're like smarter than me. I mean, I'm in a Catholic school. And he's like, nah, I'm just chilling. So I get back. I'm in college. I'm like, Bantu, like, what, what, what you doing? Like, he would, who, 
Why are you not in school? Why are you not uh, working for Morgan Stanley? <laughs> you understand? He was in the streets. He loved mm. street life. You know, and we played basketball together, did a lot of great things together. You know, um, and 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 that's just what it, that's what it is. You know, and I think that's what makes Queensbridge Queensbridge. Unfortunately, like those type of things. Do you still go out there? Do you still have any 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 ties to Queensbridge? I mean, I got ties because you know when I made it to the NBA, sometimes yeah, I had a lot of friends in Queensbridge, and you know, I stuck around. Right. I don't need to go back ever. I don't go back much, but. I felt like I put my work in already. I got you. You know, I don't, I don't, there's nothing else to prove. But being positive, and, and, and I talk to people a lot from Queens. I help out some of the kids out there. Um, hip-hop, obligatory. I asked you this once before, and I'm, I'm going to see if you answer it the same, because it could change. Top five rappers, your favorites. Yeah, I love this question. Cannabis, number one. I knew you, because that's, <laughs> that's the same question. And I was like, cannabis? Like, I get cannabis is dope, cannabis. but like, why cannabis? That's an obscure fucking answer. Cannabis had, cannabis is like, a, let's say a one-hit wonder. He, he'll be mad at this. I'm sorry, cannabis. Let's just say he's a one-hit wonder. Let's just say he had the Steve Kerr 73 win season. You can't discount that. Cannabis was one of the best rappers to ever live when he was at his peak. It was things that he was saying that nobody ever said. And it wasn't, he had his little gangster thing, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, yo, I'm going to shoot you and this Right, hole. right, right. It was smart. Okay. Eminem you, smart. He was dope. <laughs> number, give me, give me your other ones. Obligatory top five. So that cannabis number one. Cannabis. I go, it could change. It could change. I go Eminem. Yep. I go Eminem. Um, then I'm going to go with um, this guy named Juice from Chicago who, who the only rapper to beat Eminem in the battle. Okay, so you're nobody on that battle him. rap shit. It's not, it's not that I'm on that, but he's, he, he's a great rapper with a great album. Okay. And nobody really listens to him. Okay. You know, but he's a great rapper. Okay. Um, you got him, um, Rakim. Yes. I'm Coming to LA, Rakim. Eric B and Rakim, May. Wow. We should go to the show. We might have to go to that show. Eric B and Rakim show. We actually need to go to that show. No, I'm going to get it hooked up. That yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with We're you. going. I'm going. We're going to that shit. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to go with us. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, it's hard not to go with Nas. He's, Nas he's, is like, I was very inspired by Nas as, as a kid. You know. Did you see him growing up? I saw him one time when I was 13 for the first time, but I always knew that he's from a neighborhood. And then, because uh, he was older and he was on the other side. Of the project. He was on the 40 Buster side. <laughs> I was on, you know, the other side. I got you. <laughs> and people uh, that don't kid. know, Queensbridge is fucking huge. Queensbridge is big. You, you don't just... You, if you're on your block, you probably go to one other block to the store, and that's about it. And then right. you, you don't really want to go somewhere else where you're not wanted. You might get your ass beat. Right. For some apparent reason, depending, you know. You, um, <laughs> and your two records, My World, uh, Bowling. Oh, my other five is Tragedy Gaddafi. Okay. Sorry. Was that, that's the fifth. That's my fifth. You're Queen's, you're, all right, you're Queen's tragedy, bias. Tragedy ain't no joke. You're Queen's bias. Yeah, but I'm sorry that I didn't pick Nas, but. <laughs> that, all right. Yeah. You were in there. You had some people on your records. Yeah. Who was the most impressive when you were in the studio? You were like, this motherfucker's talented. Like, this is like, this guy's good. Yeah. Um, when I was in the studio doing my world, we had, um, Capone was very, very good rapper. My, my cousin, actually. Um, is that your cousin? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Third cousin. Um, yeah, third. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Capone was very impressive. Uh, Nature was on the, uh, got on the record. You know, um, it, it, it and was you could cool. see like the skills and like just how like because just like basketball, like you could just they would. This is what they do. This is what they do. You know, they were real rappers. You know, lyricists and talk, talking about their life. 
I wish I, I wish we could have done more projects. Um, the music business at that time wasn't for me. I didn't really understand how to scale it. I got you. But we had a really good team. We always had a good team in Queens Business Music. Right. You know, but nobody really understood scaling, not having major overhead. If you bring 10 guys on a, on a rap show, you're not going to be able to market your next record. I got it's you. It's like things like that. The business of it. It's like side. making money and saving money and not spending Absolutely. money. Absolutely. Okay. Now, now, keep it funky. You love hip hop. You're younger. I mean, you're older than these dudes. We got your guy Lonzo. We got Iman Shumpert. We got Dre, uh, Dre Drummond. We got, I heard Kyrie Irving. Wow. That's what I heard. Doing what? I heard he spits. We got my man. Um, they all from the hood. Who out of all these dudes in the NBA now, currently, keep it funky, you're an OG. Yeah. Who should stop fucking around with music altogether? Well, I th- Keep it funky. I'm going to keep it funky. This isn't basketball. It's not personal. Like, yo, keep it funky. The, you, everybody everybody that's rapping now, I like. Brandon Bass. Okay. Um, Your man I don't Zoe. have a problem with anybody. Zoe, he got the new era type of music. I literally don't have a problem with anybody. I haven't heard anybody. Who would you like to battle? I haven't heard any. I'm not a battle rapper. <laughs> okay. I can't battle. See, Every time somebody asks me to freestyle, I'm like, listen. Right. That's a different skill set. It's just not what I do. I got you. I will never be caught freestyling on Breakfast Club or anywhere. <laughs> I can't freestyle. You're not spitting a quick 32. My, my best thing I have is I have one good record, and then my hooks is pretty tight. My bars is, you know, they're kind of real, but consistently I don't do like a lot of good verses. I got you. My hooks, I love. <laughs> I got you. I think my hooks is pretty tight. All right, so you're, you're keeping it biased. That's fair. Yeah. My, my final question. Final question. All right, based on injury, okay? Well, hopefully, everybody stays healthy. Hopefully, Ty Lue comes back. I don't want anybody yeah, to, yeah. you know, we want everybody's health to be good. Who's winning the NBA championship? Based on everything we know right now, and everybody who's healthy or not healthy right now, who's winning the championship? Who are the two teams at the, at the end of the road? Um, the final team would be uh, Golden State. They're going to win. Win that whole thing. Versus, is Cleveland going to make it to the finals? I can't see Cleveland going to the finals. Wow. Because consistently, they've been losing. Now, I am out the loop with basketball mentally, emotionally, because I know for a fact, if you stick with it, you get better in the playoffs. You can get there next when they got there as AC. So, yeah, I'm counting out Cleveland. But that's because I'm like... Not focused on the game. Like, I'm not in the game. You're not. I'm not in the game. In terms of paying attention as a fan. I'm, I'm not paying attention as a fan until the process. I got you. I'm more like developing guys. I got you. So I'm sticking, that's where I'm at. So, right now, I just, I'm going, I'm, I'm just called like I see. I, I don't see you. Cleveland going. If they beat Toronto or Boston, that's really embarrassing to Toronto or Boston because Cleveland is not playing well. They should not beat you. <laughs> in, in, in the playoffs. If you're you're coaching, you're giving Cleveland or Boston or any fucking body. Right. How the fuck is there a way to stop LeBron James? Um at this point with his skill set, his you, confidence, he's so relaxed. You cannot stop LeBron James. If you can, go try it. <laughs> I can't see it happening. <laughs> I can't see it happening. He just has all the answers at this point, right? I mean, it's like okay, if as much as you want to stop LeBron James, that's as much as he wants to kill you on the other side. So, okay, go try it. <laughs> good luck if you yeah, have the answers. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. All right, listen, Meta, listen. I appreciate you come rock with me on the Iron Rap Poor Stereo this is Podcast. Amazing. Eric B and Rock Kim, I'm getting the tickets. We there. We're going. Let's take a picture, post it on Instagram so everybody know 
There we going. We're going to that yeah, shit. Because you never know when that's not gonna ha- when that's gonna happen. You gotta again. go. The God MC, Eric Beater doing their thing in yeah. LA. Metal World Peace. Yo, the Panda's friend clothing. The shit looks comfortable. It's fun. And you know what? We just we made some money and now we're throwing a basketball game at Uni High School with the Board of Education, but LA City Work Economic Development Department. Um, and we're giving back. That's what the brand's about. All right. Keep doing your thing. I appreciate you rock with me. Absolutely. My man. All right. What can I did I tell you? Did I tell you? We came, we saw, we conquered. Meta, thank you for rocking on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. The Pandas friend, Queensbridge QB. I would love to have him back on the show. I love this dude, Metal World Peace. Thank you for rocking on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. G Moody, last name rhymes yeah. with duty. I, I wish you a healthy, speedy <laughs> recovery uh, after your first few days of training. Hold your head. Stay in that ice bath, Duke. Uh, Meta, thank you for rocking on the show. What can I say? Miles Jordan, take us out of here with something funky. Take us out of here with a smacker. As I told you, yo, I highly recommend, I have no agenda, I highly recommend the Netflix documentary series, Wild Wild Country. Got to sit down, talk to these directors. Dope-ass interview. Very informative. Not just about that movie, about the process, the ground and pound, the grind of what it takes to make a documentary. Uh, that's going to be on the next podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Rapport, a.k.a. The Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. Bird, a.k.a. White Mike, a.k.a. Mr. White Folk, G Moody, Last Name Rhymes with Duty, the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, Miles Jordan. Take us out of here with something special. Let's go. Let's go.